Oh. Winter, spring, summer, fall, seasons changed. We still keep it together. Hey, Beverly Hills 90210 fans. Are you ready to dive deep? Episode by episode. Storyline by storyline. Character by character. As we break down the making of your favorite zip code. With your host. Charles Rose. Did I say that? Yeah. Mary oh, Mullen. Mullen. thing about the, the, the real person. And we go, what? We're getting rid of this guy. Pete Ferrero. I'm feeling wonderful. <laughs> Kathleen looks crush, TV crush worthy. Like so many special guests. And all your questions. Live on the Beverly Hills 90210 show. Oh, yeah. Okay, here we are back again on the Beverly Hills 90210 show, this time covering Home Again, a season one episode. Lots to talk about there. Charles, Harris, every, how is everything going in Venice Beach these days? Oh, well, I'm, I'm busy. I, in fact, I, I had a very, as a writer, I had a pretty good weekend in that there's an uh, important publication that in L.A. here called City Watch L.A. that published a piece that I wrote about the Venice median. And uh, so did the West Side Current uh, this morning. Um, and it was called Changing the Conversation about the Venice Median. Because what we did is there are eight people running to uh, replace our discredited councilman mm -hmm. who keeps trying to push this through. And we got six out of the eight candidates to respond. The other two didn't respond. But the six who responded all said to join us. And please tabling this, postpone it to one of them are elected. So wow. we've actually changed the entire conversation, not asking to talk about California Coastal Environmental Review, not talking about obligations to the public that they had, the city council had that they didn't follow through with, right. et, cetera, et cetera. We're just saying, guys, nobody wants this. Stop listening to this discredited councilman. Mike Bonin is his name. Yes. And we um, uh, got it out today. So as soon as we're finished today, I'm going to, uh, send out probably an email blast to about uh, 200 Venetians asking them to uh, contact these council people and ask them to abstain. So we'll see what happens, but at least uh, it gives you a generation. You mean to, you know, get, get generated with some energy because what am I doing? Larry's in the East coast. I don't know what I'm doing every morning. You know, I know like, what you mean. What do you mean? Uh, He's not here. Uh, when am I going to walk the dogs? What am I doing? <laughs> uh, who am I talking uh, baseball with? You know? We got a lot of questions. Where's Chuck? Is Chuck okay? Chuck is fine. He's just—he's doing his thing in Larry, Venice. Bay. Larry or me? No, you. Larry. People are saying it's Chuck because they're like, well, now they'll ask me about Larry because Larry's not on with us this week. Is Larry okay? Where is? He? You know what I mean? But yeah. Uh, but you're you're doing great. You're just very busy in Venice Beach right now. Very busy and and felt you know in terms of these podcasts that we've covered so much yes that that Pete and I uh, I think you confirmed this that we said look let's do watch alongs because that I get to see the episode again refreshes stimulates memory sees uh, formulates opinions sure. about well what are we seeing and then uh, and then do a short conversation afterwards about it and that's what this is today exactly uh, and and it's just a way to round out because you know. We, we're he, keeping he it. He has so many topics he can interview people on. You know, we gotta help him move along. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. But right, we keep right. we're keeping it going, and this is one way we we can with you, and it's it, it's always exciting. All right, let's talk Thank about you. 
home at home again. And yeah. I'm sure I'm sure for fans out there, I'm sure we'll try to do a, a, a Charles and Larry at some point too. We'll we'll get everybody at some point back together, reunited. Um, oh, so reunited? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, always seeing that everybody dance now inspires me to do it. And I'm, you know, later we'll sing "Celebrate Me Home," but right, reunited and it's understood. <laughs> and it is. We'll, we'll have that. We will have that. All right, cool. So let's talk about Home Again. Now, what I love about Home Again, what we talked about on the watch along was that it is sort of a good ender of the season, right? It, it feels like a good uh, good closure on the season. In case 90210 didn't come back, it was a good ending. Having said that, it was coming back. Do you know, I was thinking about this this morning, do you know when you knew you would even be doing Home Again, Home Again and Spring Dance? Like We always talk about the first six then we talk about the first 12, but inevitably there was 22 that, that, that season. So there had to be another order at some point, right? Good, good, good question. Well, what the orders were, were two scripts at a time. Mm -hmm. That's, we mm -hmm. didn't get it. They, you know, Fox, as we've talked about in financially, was pretty overextended. Rupert Murdoch put all the money down to buy the satellite in England and he just didn't have it. So they didn't want to start an entrepreneurial company. So they did not want to uh, make a big cash outlay or commitment to the production, not knowing how we would be doing, but they had to keep it going. So, you know, they would give us an order for two, then two more, then I think three more. But a couple of weeks after the, uh, oh, thanks. A couple of weeks after the, um, uh, that we came back after the Gulf War with the kind of numbers that we were getting and, you know, about three quarters of a million to a million new viewers every episode. Um, it was clear, it just as as we've talked about, I expected we'd have the normal summer break and go right into it and was ready to go to Fox and and even said, oh, I'm ready to pitch you, you know, what I did on my summer vacation. And, uh, of course, that became the title of what Larry and I did to start season five because yes. uh, they had other plans to do the summer episode. So it was around um, the time that we were starting to put these stories together. I think the key to remember this late season and these episode order in late uh, of season one is, is to put in perspective that they wanted a cliffhanger. This was very important to these brilliant network minds, and it's what they just oriented for. So I worked hard to think about, well, what would be the cliffhanger? And the cliffhanger that made most sense to me was the teenage girl's biggest fear uh, of saying, uh, I, you know, of, of their own sexuality, which is, I am late. Right. I said, oh, that'll be a good one. And we ran that down by, to... Uh, standards and practices, the censors, with us knowing that. Sorry, Go ahead. sorry. With us knowing, oh, you're taking my role. It's <laughs> <laughs> never <laughs> happening. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the that the um, that we were not going to, uh, uh, you know, that I wasn't that interested in the. I was as interested in the idea of the cliffhanger, but even more interested in the idea that. Brenda would have to tell her father 
<laughs> she's sexually active. I think we've talked about that before. I knew a girl in high school who had to tell her father the same thing. Right. And uh, and she talked to me about the poignance of that moment because um, she was a teen. She was 16, you know, a young girl to say, you know, relatively to say that. And so um, so I knew that there'd be drama and I knew that we would have a great cliffhanger. What we didn't know was, oh, she's going to have to lose her virginity. So spring dance. At some point, right, that would have to happen, right. Mm -hmm. So spring dance factored into that. Mm -hmm. um, I think the interesting thing that you and I discovered, yes, Home Again, if the show had only lasted one year, this is where you would have wanted to end the series. Totally. This was, you know, oh, they're going back to Minnesota. And even though uh, in yesterday's watch along, I kind of, um, you know, kind of was disparaging about the whole idea that the Walshes were going to leave. But uh, because if that happened, then there's no series. But, you know, given the, the precarious nature of our ratings for a, a lot while, certainly the, the fans could believe that maybe this show isn't coming back. Sure. Um, mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, so with that in mind, um, we, we, we really focused on the idea of, you know, that, that here's the, uh, so I think there is some legitimacy to the fact of the series itself. And, and what I, and what it did, I feel the episode, two things it did really, really cemented. One was how the Walshes now were all in, in, Beverly Hills. There was no more minute, at least for the time being, there was no Minneapolis nostalgia. No. They had moved here. That this they're now part of the scene. Telling viewers, be confident. We want to be here. These are our friends. This is what we want. Yeah, particularly and, Cindy Brandon and Brenda. You know, Jim Walsh is apparently very flexible and can go back to Minnesota. You know what I mean? He he didn't seem to but at, at, by the end of it, he definitely wants to be well with he he was induced by they were doubling his salary once he said no. Right. And so, you know, he made an, you know, an administrative decision. I'm going back. He went to try it out and it, he was just inundated. He just did not have a life. Now, the, the thing that was that he did not take into account, and we weren't going to let the character take it into account, is the fact that, well, they were just you, we knew they were in disarray. People were getting fired. People, things were happening. It was all this paranoia in Los Angeles. Company's not doing that well. So they throw a lot on his plate. And he does say, and, I, and I've heard this, but I was doing the job of three people. I mean, um, you, could, you could probably say that about yourself at times at 90210. Five people. <laughs> but, uh, but, it, but, but a lot of corporate people... It's it certainly in, it, in the network. In fact, it became a problem in network television, less so while we were doing the show, but at the end of the decade and into the aughts, when the networks were scrambling to try to see where their profit centers would be, they, they definitely cut back on the amount of lower and middle level executives they had. So the ones that you would be dealing with on pilots were so overwhelmed that it was very hard for them to get their attention in the way that it was in the earlier, in the eighties or in the early nineties when there were more staff and, and more flush. So I think that's one thing that, that commitment to we want to be in California. And the other I found interesting, which we, we talked about a little bit yesterday, but 
You know, you look at our cast of characters at this time, at the end of season one. So clearly, oh my gosh, Brenda's going back. And yes, her girlfriends are going to miss her, but it's about her and Dylan. Totally. They've already, uh, they've already become sexually active. Uh, they don't know what to do. They're, 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 you know, she's feeling very bad. She's, you know, and you see those scenes, but we also realized that Brandon, you know, was, he was tethered with Steve and Andrea and they were the ones who, who really factored into this storyline. Mm -hmm. Steve for feeling like, God, I've been burned. I've invested in this friend and he doesn't, and, and not there. And, and also to show something that's very truly Bev was Beverly Hills at the time, which is how if you were a child of famous people, how you were teased, harassed. Um, right. Because I mean, not yeah. so much in high school, but certainly the middle school, elementary school. I remember some of those, um, you know, in showbiz kids acting different than than others. And and certainly Steve fell into that right off the top of the episode that starts out with a fight where Steve is either defending his mom's honor or defending his inheritance. One, one, of, the, one of the two, right? We came to that conclusion yesterday, yes. <laughs> but here's the other that with, with Andrea, how, you know, how just, she just knowing that this was the, the guy who she first had really amorous feelings for was leaving and she makes an initiative to um, give... Uh, herself away as a going away present to Brandon that she wanted this. So did Brandon. And they walked into that peach pit, assuming that's going to happen. And yet it was the surprise. Right. Yeah. Now I bring this up, Pete, for, for this reason, because that at that point in the status of the show, and you pointed out, boy, Tori had nothing to do. She was barely mentioned. I mean, she was, well, uh, maybe she had a lunch, you know, and that was kind of true of Kelly and David too. Yes. David was holding a video camera, really. Yes, and Kelly was dealing with him, and that. So the you, the pecking order of who was what, even in the even you know with Kelly being the the you know the sweetheart, the blonde. You 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 could see where the where the orientation was that uh, uh, Donna had not been an important character yet. Um, you know, we Kelly doesn't really have a major uh, episode in season two until she gets to Halloween. That's right. Uh, which she dresses too sexy. So again, she's being reprimanded for being a, a girl with sexuality. But if you really think about most of season two, it is not oriented to her. No. It, and it would be, of course, once the triangle starts. Sure. Then it shifts away. And and Donna just kept, you know, getting many episodes with fewer lines and fewer lines, but she did get, you know, uh, starting in season one, her own subplot with being a learning disability. Sure. And then it went on. And then by the time we start season three, she's going to France. Season two, she gets together with David, of course. So it's another profile. And then of course she's going to, uh, uh, to be in Paris with Brenda and she's a whole other set of relationships too. Um, so, so everybody got more, to do because as you pointed out, wow, the parents sure had a lot to do in this episode. And it's because season one, it was the Walsh family series. Well, I was going to ask you about that. So it's interesting though. So would you say then at the end of that first season, the pecking order of character for characters anyway, was Andrea Dillon, obviously Brandon, Brenda on uh, Andrea Dillon and Steve. Yes. Would be the next group. Well, 
Dylan would be the next group. Then right under that, Andrea and and um, Steve, Steve, and then and then the last three. So I think that's how it would Kelly, be. Kelly, Donna, David. You know, and maybe. I didn't realize that until watching it. And then I also remembered that this was not the last show that we had uh, uh, shot. That we, right. it, it feels like it it would be because definitely. You know, it it we that's it's the cliffhanger. It's where we had to do the uh, that and end it. But we actually, because of the nature of the the scope of the production and everything, that we ended with uh, the last thing we produced was Spring Dance, and you know, which is a uh, much bigger profile. And it was where, of course, Brenda and Dylan uh, made love, had sex, and so this one was, of course, after that. That that had already happened. Um, it's it's in interesting too because of uh, the season one and a very long time ago we did an episode. Well, the very first episode we did, I think, was with Darren Starr and Sandy Gruschow, and we talked about you guys going to battle with the network for that storyline for Brenda to lose uh, her virginity, and you guys t talked about why that was really important and the, and the network fighting back on all of that. So that was all happening while Holman again. Well, home again was sort of in the in in play too, but you well, need one to happen with the other. Without the, it can't happen one without the other. Well, only only course correction on that, Pete, was mm. that the, the the conflict was not over her being late or losing her virginity at all. Um, the network signed Dan McDermott, who said you need a cliffhanger. Dan signed off on it. Now the president of AMC uh, Television, mm -hmm. he signed off on it. These You're sensors. talking about in, in Home Again, the, the cliffhanger saying, uh, uh, I'm late. Dan McDermott yes, signed yes. off on that. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, and that, yes, and that meant the loss of, you know, uh, at, at some point, point they're going <laughs> to be doing that. Um, we, we had uh, some, uh, later we had some pushback afterwards. You know, mm -hmm. that's when the, it aired, and they didn't expect that some of the uh, network affiliates and and their viewers would go would be so negative about it but you know i fox had nowhere to go with this because they know that i worked hand in hand with darlene liblick who was my uh representative from standards and practices and her boss at the time roland mcfarland who'd been there for many many years and i got their approved they signed they were independent they signed off we moved forward and then when the, uh, after the moments I'm late or the sexuality, it's rather the sexuality itself being shown at the prom, certain stations went crazy. I always remember the one from St. Louis because they kept talking about this guy, this Bible thumper out there in Missouri who just was, was, was furious. And I guess put a lot of pressure on Barry Diller. I, I don't know to, to know, but I do know that the next week comes up. They, relative to home and again, they spend all week promoting the shit out of it because that's what they really do very well at Fox, even when they didn't have that much money to, uh, uh, you know, either support the shows or, or do certain things. But they uh, uh, put that whole part of I'm late, I'm late. They did it this and then um, in all the, the promo, all the promo packages leading up to the week of that home again episode, it's being. I'm late is the is the focus. 
I by everything. the way, why I'm watching it because I just watched last week and saw what happened. Of course, I'm watching this next week. So they did that for four days, and then on the day that it was going to air, and we were airing on Thursday nights in those first two years, uh, something like thirty. Uh, well, three hours, at least three hours before the the airtime, and and you know, right up to the airtime itself, they had decided to cut the thirty seconds out of our show, and cut that out, that whole scene. I'm late. Mm -hmm. And so, if you think about, I'm thinking about it now, thirty years later. At the time, I was this is censorship. This is the worst thing. How could you do this? Why did anybody call me? Well, that it's also a blind side, though, in a way, too. So it's not and even. That, and that happens to be my pet peeve in life. Yeah, but so, and it's a big blind side. You know what yeah. I mean? It, and, it, and they cut it out. So it's censorship. They didn't tell anybody. They just decided to do it. Uh, I over. I got definitely reacted very strongly. And I'm sure. Demand, <laughs> and demanded a meeting with Jamie Kellner, who was uh, a top executive at Fox who had to do with station relations and all sorts of other matters like that. And uh, we had a very tense meeting in Sandy Grushell's office, uh, which later hurt my career because Jamie Kellner became the head of the WB and mm -hmm. Dawson's Creek was no picnic for Charles. Thank you, right. Jamie. Uh, <laughs> so, and, and, and never was asked to go back and work for the WB. Right. So mm -hmm. that, that's, that's where that's at. But be that as it may, uh, you know, I can now understand that they got the best of both worlds. They promoted, they promoted, they promoted. But when the actual broadcast came, they didn't put anything that would lance the emotions of the station heads like the guy from St. Louis or the conservatives in our, in our audience that were outraged that we took the, the sexuality to its logical conclusion. Um the, the, yeah, so the big moment, of course, Diller is furious and he calls everybody together in the staff and he spews about how could they do this because the fear was, boy, here's this low-rated TV show that's finally found its niche, that's yes. finally got critical support, that's finally got all these things happening. And the and generations with it, they get it, they understand well, they're, our they're, issues. They're, well, new, no, what their, their fear was new people were coming to the show and what and this is what a oh, lot of letters said, and what they're greeted with is fast times at Ridgemont High. They're fast mm. times. That's right. not what they were, had been told about our show. They had been told, oh, they deal social issues, and it's it's mm. very good, and it's very you know, and it's got wholesome, and it's got that spelling touch. Which, although you know, he was known for his racy stuff for prime time, it was still prime time. Yes, this is mm -hmm. an R-rated material. I think I think more than once. Brandon Walsh says in the course of the five years I'm running the series, mouthpiecing me, uh, I'm a PG kind of guy. Yeah, he does. Because we're, we're doing, when you do uh, uh, network television in that era, you were doing PG uh, or PG-13 television. Definitely third, closer to 13 later on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, yes, certainly. Yeah. Once it became, um, you know, and, and uh, when, once the show became serialized in college, and then I'm, and I'm sure what followed, the last five seasons, yes, it was PG thirteen for sure. I want to ask you about this issue, this incident where uh, you, you know everybody doesn't. You know, you, you're blindsided. You don't know. A lot of people don't know it's going to get cut. Does Mister Spelling know that it's going to be cut? Yes, he was the one who was called, and he 
<laughs> did not want to hear from me. So he did not call not. me. <laughs> yeah. mm -hmm. And the first time he and I talked about it was um, that Saturday, a Saturday night, give you all perspective of what we're doing. That Saturday night, I'm home in my back house working with the newly hired writer, Jonathan Roberts, whose name's been mentioned. The writer went on to write The Lion King. And we're working together in the house when the call comes. <laughs> and I like, you know, like, what took you so long? We're, and I'm, I'm curious, a couple days later, have you calmed down about this at all? Or are you, is it still a hot button for you? It's a hot button and it remains so. <laughs> it remains so a hot button for me until mm -hmm. we were able to do, everybody's talking about it. Makes sense. I so you're saying with, you saying never, with, and, and remember, things that they asked to do, well, make it that she won't have any more sexuality, that she's sorry about it. This, Darren wrote that episode, coming right straight back. He did a beautiful job on it. And I've said in, in, in the context of this show that I would have never been able to write that episode at the time. I was just, you know, because I also, different. Darren was brand new to TV, and I'd been in the business by that point for 14 years. Mm -hmm. So I knew what was standard and what wasn't standard and what was fair and what wasn't fair. And it, this was not the way that you would treat people. Anyway, spelling calls and I don't let them off the hook. He tells, <laughs> I said, why didn't you call me? Oh, I said, why didn't you call me sooner in this? And he was very upset because his the, the fish in his koi pond were dying. He told me that night. And I still didn't let him off the hook. And Spelling uh, said to me something that was the truest thing about me, that that he said that up until that point, nobody had said quite so succinctly, is he said, you know, because, he, listen, he had no, he had to keep, there was no, if I quit, he's in trouble. That's right. So big, has, tr big trouble. Yeah. Has, mm -hmm. Well, he had Darren, he had other things. There were other writers now. <laughs> yeah. No, for sure. But but in, in this but what I said to him was um, what he said about me is he said you'd be nothing without your passion. And later I would think about that because whenever I was not passionate about something, you could see it on the page, you could see it in the language. Mm. You know, yes, I was a pro; I could get things done, and there were professionally written scenes and this, but. When I was passionate about something, like a movie, I, uh, a, a pilot I did for Fox called Soulmates, I basically came up with the idea in two days and wrote it in four days and, uh, you know, yeah. kind of thing. Well, uh, even the and story that's how it always is. When you, when you can run through something fast, it's good news. Even the storyline with Suzanne and, and Dylan and the money swindling, you know what I mean? Like, that was that was thought out and well and, and you must have been super passionate about how this is going to work especially when he said they'll see it right from the beginning now now it's like now you have to show them that it's not going to be seen from the beginning right, right. yeah exactly. but so i mean um that happens and um at some point we talked about this in the watch long at some point they must have because the episode i have has the i'm late in there so at some point they they did switch that right Yes, they had to have restored. Well, we think so. I, that's something maybe some of the fans will, will, will buzz in and let you know the answer to that. Because um, remember, I got an air copy. What was always given to me was the air copy, and and the air copy was tampered. The airing was tampered with. Wait, so your so, air copy had it in or did not have it in? Oh, definitely had it in. It had it in. That's what yeah. makes it so 
wild. Mm -hmm. yeah. And 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 then it aired. Did you watch it when it aired? Is that how you were you watching it when it aired? Or you got a, you had gotten the call already that this was not going to air the right the way that you thought it was going to? No, we learned. Uh, I don't remember the answer to that. I think it's that I did wasn't told. And you're probably, watching the show. Probably and my first call would have been to Kenny Miller. What the fuck is going on here? Mm. And then that's probably when I was told. Maybe Kenny called me before to tell me this is going on, but I don't. And and maybe Spelling uh, asked him to. I don't know what kind of memory he is. If you ever want to have Ken Miller on this show, do it. I will. I will try to get him. Yeah. Just, just mm. don't have me on the same show. Of course. Um, I think a, a, a story that fans are not going to get, but you've told me before is that, and you just said it, is that in the midst of this back and forth over the uh, the episode and why wasn't it airing and all that, he started to talk about his two koi fish that were in his pond or something, right? And he would, they, one was very sick and then, and it was passing away and he tried to use yeah. the Use you're that. Not, you're saying too. I think I think he had many more fish that were done. I have no. I, I, I never. <laughs> I never swam in his koi pond. I never know how many. But that's what he was maneuvering out of the conversation by talking about his koi fish. Well, just, he wanted to know that I'm upset too, Charles. Uh, I'm upset about my koi. You know. <laughs> um, all right. So for the Brandon Andrea fans, uh, we see andrea do some stuff you know she's dressed really nice and and, and really looking really hot in this stuff um what do you think of that storyline as you look back on uh the brandon andrea aspect of this what did you think of that i thought a lot of the storylines in running up and down this episode were were spot on and i think that's a tribute to how amy spees approached the characters our writer amy amy uh i wanted to come back uh a lot um she decided not to um and uh went on with uh to darren to work on melrose yeah i mean she, and she, she and, and, and she and darren remain much closer friends than he and i do at this point not that i'm going to new york i leave on wednesday and hope to see him because that's where he's producing his show so uh yeah, it's not to minimize your friendship with Darren's because you you guys still get along all these years later. You respect him and like him a lot. Yeah, he's done a lot of great work and and um, he's he's important to the story. But yeah, Amy he's does very and he's a very funny man. He's a he's got a great self deprecating sense of humor. I, I I enjoy being around him. He's a, he's too busy, can't hang out enough. I tell him he works too hard. Yeah. Uh, and Amy, but as for Amy, though, she does really get these characters. There's a lot of fans of Amy Spees' writing, um, and I think it, it does come together really nicely, this this entire episode. Yeah, I think uh, she all the ones she did, I would say that about, I'd say that she got, and, and maybe we'd go back and look at that one, the one about the, the poetry, and yeah. she got and she got hamstringed. We wanted to do poetry, and they made her be, they made us make Brenda, you know, they wanting to be a stand-up comedian, which is, was not was who really that tough. character ever was, and it was a won the network medal on us on that one. She's not very funny, Brenda. <laughs> well, not that kind of funny. Right, I mean, exactly. Right. You She's... know, not not that. You know, finding the joke. Yeah. The, the other thing we talked about too on on Patreon was um, the the shots of uh, on the pier. Right. We talked about the that they didn't love you then because of the shots of the. Oh, brand. Him, well, there was a very the. the Santa Monica Pier at that point, uh, this was the 1991. Los Angeles, let's just face it, Los Angeles was a very dangerous city. 
you you know the whole thing that people can associate the Rodney King riots and 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 things like that that came after this. But what was going on this time with the Bloods and the Crips were killing each other over turf and crack cocaine, and one of the places they battled was the Santa Monica Pier in and out that area. They were called mm -hmm. the Shoreline Crips, and they were right there, uh, a Venice-based gang, by the way. And they, uh, but that that's where that was. So yes, Paul Paul didn't like seeing Brendan Dillon in bed. Paul didn't like uh, the, where, where I made him film. But you know, I think that uh, filming on the uh, carousel, the same carousel that was used in the Sting, uh, the famous one in Santa Monica, is uh, it, it was definitely worth it. And I, I think the the whole bobbing up and down and 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 how and it was very fun done so well. Uh, we've talked about Amy, the director, Chuck, Chuck Braverman, who really made his mark on, on 90210 with, uh, uh, and, and certainly the bonded with working closely, most closely with Darren on the episode uh, of Slumber Party, mm. uh, you know, had, had really just continued to build up his credibility in, uh, in this season one and, uh, and certainly was, did a really nice job with that letting the silence and got a great performance out of our friend gabrielle cartera she's incredible in this yeah yeah mm -hmm. she, she really is and um, we also we also made uh praise of the um hair and makeup and uh, wardrobe of course diane kennedy's uh yeah she, 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 she did a wonderful job i want to touch upon something you just said because i don't know if we really drove that home that that paul wagner was not happy with um because in in spring dance we, you know, the sex is not really, I mean, we know that they had sex, right? But in the, in Home Again, we see them actually in bed together, implying that we, now we really kind of know that they had sex, right? And so Paul Wagner was not thrilled with that. Well, he left it to the imagination and the other one, yet we're in the room and what's right. going to happen and they start kissing and, and that, and that's, that's basically, uh, and after the, the second year during season two, and 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 when we when we had some real restrictions on us, and even in this episode that we're talking about with Spring Dance at that moment, that's basically the Hayes Code. That's basically how they did it with, with treated sexuality in the movies, uh, American movies of the 1930s and 40s. You just you knew what they were doing. You just pan off. Yeah. Uh, and mid 50s, all the way really to the early 60s, and then it the, the Hayes Code opened up a little bit. So, uh, but Paul was not thrilled with this. He didn't want me to do it much. He just said, I don't like, my, he said, listen, I really don't like seeing him to bed like that. It's a little distasteful. And probably what happened, there were a few, um, oh, how do I say this diplomatically? Um, there are a few conservative turds who are on our cat, on our crew mm -hmm. and who were also a little older than some of the other members of our crew. And they probably said something to Paul that they didn't like the fact that I was sexualizing a, a female character. Sure. Okay. So I think that was what that was what they were thinking about. That's where they were going with that, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. but thank God you did it because it led us waiting, wanting more uh, through, <laughs> you know. Yeah, and, we, and we did not do it very often. With if you think of the characters, you know, who did whoever was found in bed. You know, I know that when we did Mr. Smith Goes to Washington, yes, Kelly and, and Brandon woke up together in bed. Yeah. I don't that's think true. we did I don't think we did that with many characters. 
No, I mean it was a big moment. If it, if you were if you were going to do if it, we, it was if a, we did, yes, yeah. Um, I'm going to talk to Carol Potter shortly, um, and we talked a little bit about them all fitting in, but uh, Cindy Walsh really fits in in this episode here. She's her, we talked about the hair and makeup and the wardrobe and all that. She is becoming. She is Beverly Hills, and she's the third vote. She does not want to go right. Well, Beverly Hills slash California. Right, exactly. She was liking, she was going to do an herb garden. She was couldn't, couldn't wait to plant. <laughs> she would be doing her composting. You know, the, the, the value people move to L.A. and what they like about L.A., climate change notwithstanding, is, is the weather. So uh, that was, you know, so she had come around to see that and realized that she got to know Brandon and Brenda's friends, that even the ones who were, uh, a little more um, troubled, risque, like like uh, Kelly's mom. Um, you know that she learned to appreciate them, and this mm -hmm. and she fit in with it. And uh, um, so, you know that I think that we we established, and and so not that surprising. And I thought, but what you and I both did remark of how attractive she looked mm. in that she looked much more like a a California mother than a uh, a frumpy uh, mother from you know some point in the midwest all right let's talk about this so you you watch did you watch did you get to watch yes. any of this episode yes 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 yes, yes. as usual <laughs> though i have my mind is like a complete blank <laughs> as far as what was going on during this although this is the kind of episode where if you don't know your show is being picked up yet can strike terror in your heart, right. right? Oh shit, they're sending us back to Minnesota. <laughs> yeah, well, I was gonna ask you about that first. Do you remember, cause the first season's weird, right? Like there's 12 episodes and they only give you a couple more then a couple of more. So was it weird for you that first year? Maybe weird's not the right word, but what was it like that first year well, we of uncertainty? Well, yeah, we, we had no idea. Um, we certainly, we're not expecting it to be the the smash that it became, right? Mm -hmm. um, I mean, my only hint was I had a I had a fourteen year old niece who lived up in Berkeley, and and the only reason she and her friends were watching the show was because I was on it, right? It was their favorite show. Mm -hmm. That was the only you know slight indication that maybe there was something going on here. But um, I think it took Fox a little while to figure it out. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, so I mean, it, it, the first year you're sort of like, oh, I'm so glad I have a job. <laughs> right, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah, thinking mm -hmm. long term. Mm -hmm. And you know, as an actor, you don't expect you don't expect something that you're doing to suddenly become a, a huge hit. It's, it's such a it's such a rare thing, right? Yeah. There's so many pilots done, and so many you know, one season, even two season shows that just, you know, fall into oblivion. So, you know, we had no idea what was coming and you're, you know, you're just focused on, well, let's, you know, doing the work and trying to live your life at the same time, which is, can be difficult. I got married that fall. Right. And mm -hmm. I missed my rehearsal dinner because <laughs> you're shooting 90210. They changed the shootings schedule and suddenly I was working that day well but because they, they they booked some summer episodes I think that was the thing that they that they well right. then they yeah they started in July they started so we had a very short um what you call it uh hiatus 
normally you have a, you know, a nice chunk of time, but they started showing episodes in the summer because they knew that um, teenagers are out of school mm. and they knew they, they had, or at that point they were getting the hint that, Oh, the teenagers like this show. So they did, um, they started in showing shows in July and they did 30 episodes that Insane. second season. Insane. <laughs> I know. 30 episodes. I don't even think we get six of our favorite show these days. Right? Well, six I know seven. it's gone completely <laughs> in the other direction, hasn't yeah. it? Mm -hmm. um, so do you remember when you, when probably not, but when you were told uh, they picked it up, that it's going to be coming back? I believe I, you know, I remember one moment that we got a two-year pickup, but that might have been in the third season. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I don't even know how I found out um, whether it was an email or it was on set. Probably. Yeah, because, I mean, the kids, you know, you look at this episode and, um, I mean, I, I read the episode but then I would focus on my section. So I, I completely forget all of the other stuff. That's right. You're only on. focused on you. Right? <laughs> yeah. And so, um, yeah, it's, uh, you're just, you're, yeah, you're just focused on your stuff and getting it right and um, doing your best. And I mean, it was, it was lovely working with Jim. I always enjoyed working with him. Um, you know, and it, actually he was the most calm, my most common scene partner. That's right. Always. Yeah. Um, in terms of watching this episode, I, we, Chuck and I said that Cindy felt more home at home here now in Beverly Hills. And she even, even the makeup and the wardrobe is she's, she's a part of this. More relaxed. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. she's a part of it. Do you remember feeling even that as yourself, as an actor, like I'm more, I'm fine. I have found yes. this person by this <clears throat> Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I remember because I remember the whole thing about I was into really into gardening, mm -hmm. right? It was fun to have an activity that was mine and, you know, developing this relationship with my housekeeper. And, you know, it, so it reminded me of that whole storyline, which was a lot of fun. Um, yeah. Really enjoyed that. And I think that that's why Cindy's really feeling more connected there is because she can there's things that she can really do here in Beverly Hills that she can't do in Minnesota because the summer's too short you know you can do a certain amount but and you've got all winter you know mm -hmm. to do stuff and the fresh fruit I mean I I feel that way when I think about going somewhere else it's the fresh fruit that I feel right most, right most yeah. difficult to leave I'm going to go to the farmer's market later and get fresh strawberries that you can't buy in a store i know they're too fragile i know what you mean yeah it's only out here that we can get that experience right yes yeah. um so, and my son lives in seattle he, he i mean he hates la even though he's <laughs> born and raised here but he misses the fruit of course yeah, that's a reason to come back from Seattle. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> you should pitch that to him. <laughs> I think his wife would come. She likes warm weather. Yeah, it's not really nice weather in Seattle, is it? It's rainy a lot. Yeah. And the summer's great. It's, sun it's sunny in the summer and, and it's beautiful. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it rains a lot in the winter and it's gray a lot too. 
What's your thoughts on um, this season? That's the end of that first season. And the kids were still sort of, I mean, they were obviously growing in popularity, but they still were probably grounded in terms of the fact that they didn't know what was going to happen and they got here. Right. So what yeah. were they like at this point? Uh, I, I remember enjoying both of them really well. I mean, all the kids um, <clears throat> working with them. And this was before there were the tabloid headlines. Sure. Yeah, of course. Um, all of that stuff, which I, I frankly, I didn't pay too much attention to. Um, as long as people were on the set and doing what they needed to do, that was that was what was important. But yeah, everything was everything was the gears were moving. You know, it was nice meshed together. I felt like we were forming a, a nice sort of family unit. And then the additional kids. I love that Cindy was, you know, she wanted her home to be the hangout place. Yes, that's right. right. And um, I, I, I love that she has that impulse. Um, and and I think and that's a wonderful impulse to have when you have teenagers is to have, you know, this is the place where all the kids hang out. The first fam- the first season is really about the family, the Walsh family. Yes. And you guys really do a great, you and Jim do a really good job of, of making it feel like a real family. I think without the two of you, it's hard to, I mean, they're, they're great. Don't get me wrong, but it, it just has to function all together. And I think you two do a really lovely job, especially well, I, in this. I think that even after the first season, they really wanted the parents because we're the good parents, right? Totally. All the other, you know, moms and dads are a little flaky in one way or another. <laughs> sure. And so they I think they tried to use us as kind of um, sort of linchpins that it sort of formed formed a, a, a grounding for not just our kids, but for the whole crowd. You know, totally. even even if we weren't that active in the episode, I think you'll see that a lot of, you know, they'll come back home and have dinner. Right. Totally. And even if we're not having a big conversation, there's that sense of coming home. There's a holding environment that the parents provide. And I think what they did when they sent us to Hong Kong was they transferred that holding environment to the house. Yes. And the house became the 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 place of stability and, and foundation um for the kids and and joey tata's character nat became yes, of sort, course. sort nat, of nat yeah. became a, a stronger um adult sort of influence and yeah but it's really good for teenagers and and young adults to have um other adult figures in their life that aren't their parents people totally. see their parents but don't have that same um, investment in their own agenda, right? Yeah, you know? for sure. I'm curious when you look at um, this this character, Cindy, is this yeah. mom and all of this, and people I'm sure recognize you still to this day as her, right? I'm sure you get that. I do sometimes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, and this this mom that everybody sort of identifies with, right? It's almost like the modern uh Brady Bunch but way different way way different but you but you know what I'm saying but it's pulp culture yeah she used to refer to me as the Donna um what's her last name the Donna the Donna Reed of the 90s yeah yeah and and she's like and and it's become so significant in pop culture right 
And um, what is that? What is your feeling on some of that? How that happened for you as one of the parents? Well, it's I mean, it's 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 really kind of astonishing and mind blowing to think about. I mean, I would get letters from people and, you know, or I would you know, people would recognize me to think about what this sort of icon in a way means to a lot of these people. I was hanging out with a bunch of friends um, at a gathering we were at. And um, there was a there was a young man there that I had just was just getting to know. I knew some of the other people uh, a lot longer. And and somebody in that group made a comment about 90210, right? Mm-hmm. Laughed. And this guy is sitting there and his jaw fell to the floor because he was going, I kept looking at you and thinking there's something about her that's so <laughs> familiar. And then he said, you were my, you know, you were my, my other mom mm. during high school. And it's, it's, it's wild to think that, you know, this little show I did had that kind of impact on people that it gave them another place where they could look for some kind of um, maternal um nurture of some kind right yeah. maybe they were getting at home but this amplified it or maybe they weren't quite sure. getting at home um you know adults go through hard times and it's hard to be a parent when you're going through a hard time right for sure um and the thing is it's interesting too is because there's i mean there's probably a handful of you that can really say you're the iconic tv moms right i mean there, there there's definitely been tv moms and we're aware of all them, but there's a handful of them. I mean, mm-hmm. and it's a really, is it, is it a, is there a responsibility? Is there something that uh, you always feel the need to offer advice when you're in this I thing? Don't, you know, I don't generally <laughs> offer advice, but I right. think that it is, they've internalized something. And all that I can, all that I really need to do is respond graciously. And that reaffirms something in them that they found a true connection with me. And I just, I just can't get in the way of that. Right. Right. It's just, it's just a question of um, allowing their recognition of me as this important uh, figure in their life and respond graciously and say, wow, thank you. And uh, Mm -hmm. because it is kind of an honor. It, It is, I would imagine. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and I don't take it lightly. Um, you know, I, <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't say that I kept my name out of the tabloids out of some concern for my fans so much as concern for myself and my own sure. family. Right. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, um, I'm very aware how deeply some people uh, take this fandom thing yes it is meaningful it is for people especially with this show for some reason because i think they're emotionally connected to the things that were happening to the kids you you, you know what i mean they they connect on a deep level because maybe it happened to them or happened to their sister or whatever it is and yeah or they're thinking about it or they're you know they're seeing it around them um you know there was a wonderful there's a wonderful organization um and I'm going to blank on their name. <laughs> so wonderful you forgot it's, the name. <laughs> it's called Advocates for Youth. Right. And, um, and they're all about uh, 
you know, sex education and sure. drug education, all of that stuff. And they they recognize the show for their dealing with those kinds of subject matters. But every year they put out a little pamphlet and what they recommend to parents is to sit down and watch those shows with your kids. Because then you can talk about those kids on the show. What do you mm-hmm. think of those kids on the show and what they're doing rather than uh, me, you know, right. what teenagers want to do is talk about themselves with their parents. Yeah, that's very true. Um, I want to ask you, was, has there, and I asked this to Jim Eckhouse once, was there ever a moment where as a mom, you were like, I think this is something Cindy may have said. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Where, oh. where it was like a parallel. Oh, where it sort of pops out of my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Where you became Cindy in the moment. Well, you know, I can't remember one, but um, my son might be able to. <laughs> right, I'm just curious. Uh, and and you have to remember, um, he was a very little boy. Sure. Although I swear they go into teenagerhood at five these days. Yeah. Get the same wise ass. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's really funny. Did he ever? Did he get to spend some time on set as a kid at all? Or did you? He did come a few times, and. Um, at one point, he wanted to dye his hair red, and he was, gosh, was he in middle school already? Oh, he couldn't have been. No, he was in, he was in yeah, might have been in middle school. They start middle school earlier. Sure. They did mm-hmm. when I was a kid. Um, so, yeah, so he was right around in, in there somewhere, and the, the hairdressers, they said, oh, you know, because he has dark hair, like my dark Sure. He said, they said, oh, you know, this color won't take unless you bleach your hair first, right? It won't show up. So they did. They bleached his hair and then they dyed it with, and then of course he hated it. Right. But fortunately, it washed out after a few washes. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. But though. I actually, I loved the color of his hair because it was, um, it was a lighter brown. Mm-hmm. It was, I thought it was really attractive on him. That's amazing. Pictures of him with that bleached hair. That's awesome. Um, so, looking at the episode, all does it hold up for you? Did you have fond memories of this? Yeah. Or? Well, I think I, you know, it's. I think it's impressive that Jim even takes his family's wishes into account. That was certainly not the norm when I was growing up. I mean, my sure. father didn't have that kind of a job, but I know that people who who did, you know, who were involved in corporate America were often being sent all over the, all over the place. And the families just had to go. As a matter of fact, in those days, if your husband got relocated and you as a wife didn't go with him, you were accused at, uh, you, yeah, you were, um, you were accused of leaving him. Right. Yeah. That's fascinating. yeah, yeah, so it's a real, it was, it was very refreshing to see that. And I mean, I think that's one of Jim's qualities, which makes him such a lodestar as well, is because he is thinking about his family and he cares about his family's happiness. And I mean, and it was so wild to see all those scenes in Minneapolis. Right. It was snow, but it was in like spring, wasn't it? It's really yeah, I know. Snow in Minneapolis in May. They really wanted to show that he was not in LA. <laughs> Shows you some snow. It's always snowing in Minnesota. It's always snowing in Minneapolis. Yeah. Well, my niece lives in Calgary and she said she's had to adjust her understanding of the seasons 
um, fall, winter, and spring all include snow. <laughs> um, the only season without snow. All right. Well, this has been great. Thanks for spending some time with me chatting about uh, this episode. And I hope you have a really lovely time on your trip. Oh, thank you, Peter. This was really fun. You had some really good questions. Got me thinking. Good. I'm happy to hear that. This is the last time we see Anna, the, 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 the maid, as well. So is there some battles that are worth fighting and then others that he doesn't want? And then it's wait, just like, wait, wait, what am I going to do? You saw Anna in the background in that? I saw episode? Anna. I believe we see Anna when Cindy's got the plants out. Remember we were talking about that? Anna is there. She doesn't speak, but she's she's in the scene. And then we never see and then we never see her again. Okay. Well, if that's the case, I, mean, I don't. Rem I, I remember you saying, "Oh, there's Anna," and I don't remember seeing her. You know, I looked, but but mm -hmm. by that point, they switched the camera. Um, possibly one of the reasons is is that uh, to get her uh, Lisa to be on the show, I made a deal with her to be an X number of episodes, and we didn't fulfill our obligation. So even if mm -hmm. she was there as an extra, we Got it. we we did that. So that might be the the rationale there. Um, yeah, Mr. Spelling did not, he kind of hamstrung the character of Cindy. He did not want her to have a job. Most mm -hmm. women were going out seeking jobs or trying to do that. And she didn't want to have a housekeeper, not a full-time maid, but a woman who I comes understand. in once or twice a week, which many is, is a byproduct of, of, of here. And it's a big part of culture in Southern California. And mm -hmm. so for us to be steered away from it, I think took us away from so many potential episodes, um, East Side Story notwithstanding. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot more things like that that could have happened. And we would have been absolutely doing, and certainly about people who are here illegally. I would have got into illegals heavily. Totally. You know, I mean, one, of my, one of my pilots that I, I love the most and was done at ABC and uh, – uh, certainly uh, ended my overall deal ended. It ended like don't shut the door on the way out. But the, <laughs> with, with Disney, but the project that I had submitted to them that that to, for consideration at ABC, where my um, commitment was, was called Tulio and the Tall Tales of the 20th Century, and it was about Tulio being a 13 year old kid who had just come to America um, uh, hiding in a van. So oh, that would have been yeah. It, it, it was an interesting yeah. Um, lastly, we see the big party at the end of the episode. Um, we commented when we were watching, well, you commented when you were watching that, uh, you know, we saw Nat look so young and all these, because we were seeing through the camera, uh, yeah, the, the yeah. camera angles and all everybody that stuff. Look, everybody looked good. Everybody looked really good. Um, I think the party scene comes together really well and we, and we, we're, the audience is equally as connected to the characters now, um, as, as, as the characters are to each other. I think there was, and, was yeah, and Jim Walsh is so moved by the event that he actually turns and says, "Screw it, we're staying here. I'll deal with it." And he deals uh, with it, and and he deals with it. And we, you know, it's one of those things where you, when once in a while with a, an episode, you say, "Okay, we're going to do this and do this." We get to the end, and they decide to stay home, and then Kenny Loggins comes up singing, "Please celebrate me home." You know, it's what you, you know, so came around the music, came that moment being key to the creative process in my mind and of course nobody who would watch it today would know that that song was was so instrumental and created this really joyful uh mood washed mood that washed over the uh, peach pit 
Yeah, it's because it's gone. It's been stripped by all the places, so unfortunately. Well, this has been great, Chuck. I think we covered everything in that episode. Uh, it was Thanks, a r- yeah. really good one, man. Uh, I, I enjoyed looking back on it. A good season ender, you know, uh, and um, good stuff, man. All right, so you'll let me know what the next one is that we'll be doing. You know it, man. <laughs> all right, I'll come back for that. All right, sounds good, man. Have a good Thanks, one. Pete.